Hey, Disney fans, looking for the latest Disney news? And interviews with some of Disney's biggest stars? Have we got the podcast for you? Welcome to D23 Inside Disney. I'm Courtney from Disney Parks Blog. I'm Jeffrey from D23. And I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And together we are taking you Inside Disney. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Courtney's back. Woohoo. I am here. I missed you, guy. We missed you, but it sounds like you were having a good time with some media and influencer folks. Yeah, tell us all about it. Yes, I'm so sorry to have missed you, but I was on the lovely Disney Wonder out of San Diego. Ah, oh, nice. And, I mean, it doesn't sound better than being on a Zoom, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, it was awesome. It was a little chilly, but yeah, of course it was a Disney cruise, so it was, you know, very, very, very fun. So happy to be back on land, though. Yay. Welcome ashore. Jeffrey, what have you been up to? I, thanks to the uh, terrific Richard Kraft, went to go see a whole new world of Alan Menken up at uh, Cal State Northridge. Alan Menken, uh, it was similar to the concert he did at D23 Expo a few years back, but it expanded. It was uh, two acts. It was fantastic. There were many tears shed. I saw a Disney legend Andrea Stasia in the audience. It was incredible. Wow. So thanks, Richard. Thank you, Disney legend Alan Menken. It was awesome. And Sherry, what about you? Oh, that sounds spectacular. Well, it was a very big week for my team at work. We got nominated for two Webby Awards and got an honor for a Webby as well. So Disney TikTok is nominated for general social entertainment and a series that we do on Pixar called Mental Health Checkpoints is nominated for social video health and wellness. So please go vote, get online, do it. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. Oh, my gosh. What was the honor for, Sherry? Oh, thank you for asking. The honor was for best use of video for Disney Instagram. Woohoo! Nice. Way to go to the whole team. This is truly, truly, truly a group effort. Well, congrats to you and the whole team. That's wonderful. We've got lots of other fun news to get to. And stick around because Ridley Pearson, who was such a fun interview, we got to chat with him about his latest installment in the Kingdom Keeper series, but it was really him talking about the terrifyingness of the children in its small world. That is why you need to stay. <laughs> yes. Uh, Sherry, what's up first? Well, up first, April is here, as we know, which means it's time to celebrate, honor, and protect our wonderful planet. Disney Planet Possible is back for the month of April, so we are celebrating Disney's ongoing commitment to reducing its environmental footprint, investing in animal care, conservation, and telling stories that inspire action. So here are some new things that are happening this month. It's Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park's 25th anniversary on Earth Day, which is April 22nd. So there will be some new treats, some specialty merch, some character sightings, a Nat Geo photo spot, and so much more. Over on this coast at California Adventure, Paradise Garden Grill is having a new plant-based menu for Food and Wine Fest. On the Parks blog, shout out to Courtney, we're doing an Earth Month blog takeover. And... Secrets of the Elephants. This is that four-part series premiering April 21st on National Geographic, and all episodes will be available to stream on April 22nd on Disney Plus and on Hulu. And the Keep Our Oceans Amazing campaign for Avatar The Way of Water, where you can create your own digital creature, 
is still running through July 31st. And for every creature created, Disney is donating to the Nature Conservancy. And there is so, so, so much more happening for Earth Month. To learn more, check out DisneyPlanetPossible.com. Oh, well, speaking of Earth, let's talk about planets that aren't Earth. So <laughs> the movie Crater is going to be debuting exclusively on Disney Plus on May 12th. It's about a kid who lives on a lunar mining colony. He's about to be shipped off to a faraway planet, but he's uh, determined to fulfill his father's last wish which apparently includes exploring a mysterious crater. And that's it stars Isaiah Russell Bailey, McKenna Grace. It looks very cool. So look for that on May 12th. And then why not just keep watching Disney Plus until June 21st? Because that is when we will experience a secret invasion. So Ooh. fans first got to see a sneak peek of this upcoming Marvel event series at D23 Expo last year. It, of course, features the fantastic Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. Don Cheadle was at the Expo and helped Kevin Feige preview it. For those who missed that or haven't watched the sneak that they've already given, it is about a group of Skrulls, the not nice Skrulls, unlike the nice Skrulls who Nick Fury became friendly with during Captain Marvel, who are set to try to take over Earth, you know, one of those nice, cozy, fun afternoon activities. <laughs> and so uh, Nick Fury teams up with Everett Ross, Maria Hill, and the good Skrull, Talos, to uh, try to thwart them and save humanity. So you can look forward to that on Disney+. Plus. Ooh, awesome. Well, get ready to rock out with Dr. Teeth, Zoot, Animal, and the rest of the band, because The Muppets Mayhem is debuting on Disney Plus on May 10th. Yes! Yay. I am so Yay. excited for this. It's an original series. All episodes will be available to stream when it debuts, and you can see a trailer now on the Disney Plus YouTube page. So this series, we're following the Electric Mayhem Band on an epic music-filled journey. With the help of a driven young music executive, the Muppet Band is coming face-to-face -face with the current-day music scene as they try to finally record their very first studio album. I'm sure hijinks will ensue. I can't, that sounds hilarious. I can't wait. It does. <laughs> we join the band? I don't know. Please. Um, <laughs> Let's hope. All right. So this news was all up and down my timeline yesterday. Mm -hmm. Dwayne Johnson revealed plans for a live action reimagining of Moana. What? Yes. So excited. Love, right? yes, yes. Yes. I thought it was an April Fool's prank. I know. <laughs> it also seems like very soon, but I'm here for it. So he was actually on Instagram Live for Hawaii that the film is in development literally right now. So you can actually see that video on the WaltDisneyCompany.com. And on the producing team are Dwayne Johnson, the voice of Moana, Ali Cravajo, and the original Moana screenwriter, Jared Bush. I can't wait for that. Same. I can't. In more movie news, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is going to make its world premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. No big deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Extremely cool. big deal. Huge deal for the final installment of this franchise. So that will be happening on May 18th, but we can all see it in theaters on June 30th. Awesome. I got to catch up on the old Indiana Jones. Mm. Mm -hmm. All right. I mentioned that I was on Disney Cruise Line last week, but Disney Cruise Line dropped some major news. First of all, Details have been released about two new ships. So one of the new ships is going to set sail from Singapore in 2025. Wow. 
Yes. The Singapore Tourism Board agreed last week to homeport the ship exclusively in Singapore for at least five years starting in 2025. Mm. More details about the maiden voyage, itineraries, and onboard experiences will be announced at a later date. Also, Disney Cruise Line reached a significant milestone in the construction of its next ship, the Disney Treasure, with the keel laying ceremony at the shipyard. The ceremony, which follows maritime tradition and brings good fortune, was celebrated with the placement of a newly minted coin under the keel of the ship. That is so cool. Hmm. Another one that we need to try to get invited to. Um, so the Disney treasure is scheduled for delivery in 2024 and additional details about the Disney treasure can be found on dcownews.com. So I've been holding out on you all. One other thing that I got to do last week was I got to visit the very first West Coast Disney Vacation Club member lounge. Oh, cool. Yeah. Get excited. So it opens on April 19th. I got a little sneak peek. It's coming to Disneyland, actually in Tomorrowland. And members will enjoy some out-of-this-world amenities to refresh and recharge. I know I took advantage and charged my phone up. <laughs> there will be a dedicated Disney Vacation Club member services team right there on site. Comfortable seating, complimentary Wi-Fi, device charging stations, and my favorite part, complimentary soft drinks. I love Ooh. that. I usually go to the one that's in the Imagination Pavilion at Epcot. It's really nice. I always like to refresh there. Yes, and get your Diet Coke on. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes. Yes. Well, but before you refresh there, you know what it's time for. And da da da. It's time for Five Fantastic Things to Watch This Weekend, presented by State Farm. For complete details and listings, visit d23.com. And remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Jeffrey, what's up first? Well, Jeffrey, what's up first is the network premiere of Phineas and Ferb, the movie Candace Against the Universe. And I love this movie. Sherry, we had uh, Dan and Swampy on many, uh, it feels like many <laughs> years ago now, a few years ago uh, <laughs> when this came out. So feel free to go back. And for those of you listening who have not heard us chat with them, go back, find that episode, get some fun scoop there, and then watch it on Saturday, April 8th at 8 p.m. on Disney Channel. Yes, yes, yes. And also on Saturday, April 8th, but at 9.30 p.m., but on Disney Channel and Disney XD, it's a new episode <laughs> of The Owl House. The fate of everything on the Boiling Isles rests on the shoulders of a human, a cursed witch, and a determined but tiny little king. Mm. Mm -hmm. All right. And also on Saturday, April 8th, at 5.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Freeform, Cruella. How many of y'all saw the movie? Yes. Oh, good. The fashion the makeup, the everything. And on Sunday, April 9th at 4.45 p.m. on FXM, it's X-Men, The Last Stand. So check it out, all you X-Men and... X-Women. X-Women, X-Everyone. Marvel fan. Marvel yes. fans, exactly. There we exactly. go. <laughs> and also on Sunday, April 9th, Raven's Home, the season six premiere, comes on at 8 p.m. on Disney Channel. So as the season begins... Raven, Booker, and Alice travel to London to visit Victor, where they become entangled in a mix-up of majestic proportions when Alice is mistaken for a member of the royal family. I hate when that happens. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, on to our guest, who is an award-winning author and someone who knows more about the Disney theme park inner workings than Jeffrey. 
For Disney, he's been writing the Kingdom Keepers books for nearly 20 years, as well as the Peter and the Starcatchers series and last year's Cautionary Tales, among others. His latest book, The Kingdom Keepers Inheritance, was just released, and we have many questions. Please welcome to the show, Ridley Pearson. And I think before we start, we have to acknowledge that major milestone, happy 70th birthday. I don't look a day over 69, 69, so I'm just saying. (laughs) Happy birthday. Now I'm hanging up, Jeffrey. Thank you. Thank you very much. End of the Zoom. Exactly. Okay, first of all, you've written more than 50 novels. Our biggest question is, do you sleep? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm on book tour right now. So last night I slept 10 hours, which is something I never do, but I'm so exhausted. And only two days into 14 days of a book tour. So I need some flapping around here. I mean, it sounds like a lot. I guess it is like a lot. But I mean, I also tell young writers that none of those books has been published without having been rewritten four to five times. Mm. It isn't that you could just knock them out and move on to the next. You know, it's a labor of love, and the first draft is a lot of fun to write, and then the work happens, and for six months or so, everybody's criticizing what you're doing, and you're trying to make them happy. It is a ton of work. It's, you know, six to 10 hours, 12 hours every day, and it's totally worth it. I adore it. I mean, yeah, it's definitely worth it. The Kingdom Keepers series is wildly popular. So for the Disney fans who may not be familiar, how would you describe them? Well, there are a few ways. I mean, the one-liner, I suppose, is that five young teens get inside Disney after dark and discover that all the characters are alive when we're asleep. The long version (laughs) is being in the parks is so much fun. And I have enjoyed it so much over the years. And this is a way for readers to see backstage with me because of the way I write. I base a lot of it on research and observation. And Disney was kind enough all those years ago and since to offer me access inside their parks when their parks are closed. So I've been in there 31 times now, I think, after hours, 4.30, 5.30 in the morning with only an Imagineer, and it's dark, and it's chilly, and all the attractions are shut down, and it's the spookiest place on Earth, not the most magical <laughs> place on Earth. And I take furious notes, and then I put the kids and the Kingdom Keepers into these situations, really, that I was in. Wow. And my imagination is active, and... It's been fun because I think well over half our readers are adults, so they enjoy the books as much as the younger readers, and that's a thrill. Okay, how would you easily describe Disney Host Interactive and Disney Hologram Imaging? Well, one of the things I've been lucky enough and privileged enough to experience are the vested Disney cast members who are called VIP escorts. And they show you around the parks. They let you in the back doors of attractions. I mean, it's just, it's over the top. And it's so much fun. And one day it occurred to me that the time was quickly approaching, and I'm sorry to tell this to the vested wonders, that Disney would replace them with holograms. (laughs) And then I thought, wait, how are they going to do that? 
they would have to have models for the holograms, and it would be much more fun when you're moving a family around to have it be a young person, a teen, and that those teens would have to go into green suits with the little dots on them in front of green screens and do all sorts of motion capture and then audio capture in order for those holograms to look real. Mm. And how interesting it would be if, knowing how we all mess things up all the time, if there was just one little bit of code that messed up so that when the kids who modeled for these, they were lucky enough to be the five models for these holograms that were going to be VIP guides, when they went to sleep, they woke up inside the park as their hologram. That just took off for me. Once I got to that absurd idea, it took off for me, and it's resonated with readers, so it's been really fun because a lot can happen to these young characters in my books, but most of the time, they're projections, so nothing bad happens to them. Well, I'm fascinated just in human life of the concept of fear and how we really need to learn to not have fear, whether that's through faith or through exercise or through good parenting, I don't know. But fear is sort of our worst enemy. And one of the conceits I've put into the novels is that if these hologram kids start to be afraid, they grow more solid and therefore more vulnerable. And that they're at their best when they're fear-free. Oh, wow. So they learn through this reaction that they're vulnerable, and then they learn they can control it a bit. So what should be pure light can now turn a doorknob or pick up a stick or jump over a fence. So, you know, there are little tweaks to the whole thing as it evolves through the series where you learn the Kingdom Keepers are learning more about the control of their holograms and what all the various possibilities are. So I know I'm putting you to sleep now, but... No, this the, is how uh, you... First of all, it's so cool. That's the background. Wake up, Sherry. Wake up. <laughs> Were you a Disney fan before you started writing these books? Yes and no. I was a huge Disney fan, albeit an ignorant fan, in that once again, we're tagging how old I am, but I grew up mostly in the 60s, late 50s and 60s. And so I watched Wonderful World of Disney every Sunday night with my family and just fell in love with Disney. But my parents were not the parents who would take their kids to a Disney park. I don't understand those kinds of parents. No, I have no idea why that was, but they never, ever took us to a Disney park. So I didn't go into the parks until I took my own family when I was in my 40s. Wow. And that's what led to the Kingdom Keepers and really in many ways to Peter and the Star Catchers and that I was published at that time by a division of Disney as a mystery writer. I kill people for a living. (laughs) And it was that publisher that arranged for this amazing trip for a friend of mine named Dave Barry and me to go to Disney. They gave us our hotel rooms. They gave us all our passes. They gave us a VIP guide. It was unbelievable. And because I was raised to write thank you notes, I both wrote thank you notes to the people who arranged this because it was the most amazing three days you could ever have as a family. And I made phone calls. And one of the phone calls ended up to Disney Books. And the editor named Wendy Lefkan, who was so smart, said, so what what was your favorite part of your experience? And I told Wendy that it was that each attraction for a writer 
I could see a beginning, middle, and end to a story on every attraction, and that other amusement parks just try to make you vomit. But oh. mm -hmm. this park was actually trying to bring you through stories. And then she said, would you ever consider writing a story for us? And the rest is history. Wow. Big shout out to Wendy Lefkon. I just saw her recently you at did? the opening. Yeah, she was just at the oh, opening were you of in Disney. Philadelphia? I was in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. I get to work lucky. with the Walt Disney Archives. Wait till you hopefully you make it there. It is an incredible exhibition. Oh, I would love to see it. And I'm, you know, a mad, mad fan of Becky Klein's. I interviewed uh -huh. her at the last D twenty three and I interviewed Marty Sklar at the D twenty three I was at before that. And I've just had so much fun with D twenty three and and Becky and Kevin at the archives are really 70% responsible for the reality that's in the Kingdom Keepers because they've let me into their props, they've let me into their files, and I'm able to build a Disney that I had no idea of. Oh, Becky is a great friend of the pod. <laughs> she is. I love it. Okay, so your new book just released, The Kingdom Keeper's Inheritance, is all about the kids of the original Kingdom Keepers. Yes. So tell us about it and how you got the idea to write it. You tell me how I got the idea to write it. Think Becky Klein and think Epcot. So Ooh. they introduced me to the notion that Walt Disney had seen this as a small city. Yep. And after everything Disney has given me, I thought I would do an homage to Walt and create the city that he never saw created. So that's really what the three inheritance books are, is my homage to Walt Disney's amazing idea to build a city around Epcot and this mm -hmm. big hotel and this seven-acre park and all that was supposed to be where the lake now is. And then I thought, well, if I do that, it isn't there now. So it has to be in the future. And then I thought, wow, if it's in the future, it can be the kids of the Kingdom Keepers. How cool would that be? Because these kids, if they are the progeny of both the Kingdom Keepers and some other rather amazing kids that I have in the novels who have special abilities called the Fairleys, these kids would have an incredible legacy to Disney, but also might have some of the fairly abilities of being able to push or touch someone and see the next few minutes or these different, not powers, but just abilities. And how fun would that be for me to write? Because I could use one of the things I've been trying to do over the years is move park to park to park to park. And I've wanted to include the international parks again, where Disney has given me access. And I thought how fun it would be as another homage to Philip Pullman and the great Golden Compass series to have young Eli find Mickey's wand from Fantasia and he slices it just as a matter of fact and the air opens as in Philip Pullman's The Knife and he steps through to other parks. Wow. And that became Inheritance. Cool. Well, you mentioned the amazing Marty Sklar. He plays uh, a part in Disney at last. Can you describe how you got to know him, your your relationship with Marty? All through Wendy Lascon, as Jeffrey knows. That's my portal to Disney. <laughs> and Wendy introduced Marty and me primarily because Marty was the first reader of all the Kingdom Keepers books. Wendy would always send it to Marty and say, where has Ridley overstepped? Where could he use more information? 
you know, what has he done right? What has he done wrong? And bless Marty's heart, he would always come back and advise me while also approving of what I had done. And his approval meant it carried so much weight, of course, with the Imagineers that I was able to, you know, move book to book, taking sort of rude advantage of Disney in places like making all the small world dolls break off the platforms and try to bite the kingdom keepers. And, you know, Marty <laughs> said, what's fun? Walt would love this. You know, I'm not sure today's Imagineers would love this, but that was sort of where Marty and I connected was through the early days of the kingdom keepers. And then I would get notes from him and emails from him and I would email him back. And finally it was D23, in fact, that said, let's put these two guys together. And, and I had this amazing time interviewing him at D23. Mm. Wow. And I got to say, just, you know, the small world dolls, I love them, but I could also see that happening. I mean, it's <laughs> not very easy to picture. <laughs> you know, I've told this story a bunch, but I asked the first time I was in there, I asked to walk the ride instead of letting me ride the ride. So I walked the emergency escape route, the exit route with the lights off, just emergency lighting on, no movement of the dolls, no oh. music. Thank goodness, no music. <laughs> and it took about an hour, and my Imagineer guide was showing me the tricks and ways they do things. And then we got to the end, and, and he said, would you like to ride it? And I said, I would love to ride it, but I'd like to ride it just as we walked it with the dolls turned off and the colorful lights turned off and no music. Ooh. And they did this for me. And I was two scenes into it, and out of the corner of my eye, two of the dolls moved. And I just freaked out. I mean, I needed therapy for like years. <laughs> I swear I saw this happen. And I wrote in my notebook, you know, small world just scared the wits out of me. Ooh, but so I wrote mean? that into the book, really. And, and I'm in a rock and roll band with Stephen King. So when I wrote, you know, two of the dolls moved, I said, no, 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 four of the dolls moved. And I went, no, 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 what would Stephen do? All of the dolls moved. <laughs> And they all attack the kids, and it's become this sort of iconic scene in the books. But it was just from my personal experience, you know, because I get terrified just like everyone else. Wow, that is haunting. And I saw the move. I will yeah. go to my grave. I believe telling it. Telling you I saw that move. Wow. I mean, you guys have probably heard this too, but uh, and Becky must know a hundred of these, but I know one other one which was that in the original Sleeping Beauty attraction, it was a small little I think that's what it was called. It was a small little attraction just past Cinderella's castle once you went through. For years, the cast members reported off and on that when they turned on the lights in the morning, they would hear a sneeze in that attraction from Sneezy. Are you talking so, about when you, know, you at Disneyland, when you go through, it's, uh, I think yeah. it's Sleeping Beauty Castle, and then you go up, you do the Sleeping Beauty Castle walkthrough inside there? I think it was actually a Sleeping Beauty attraction, but what do I see when I, I'm ignorant. I got to call Marty. Marty? Marty? <laughs> oh. Marty! Exactly. Oh. Yeah, it could have been. I love that walkthrough, but I think there was a little attraction somewhere, and I probably have the name wrong. But anyway, their cast members for years reported that when they turned on the lights, Sneezy sneezed. So who knows? Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, you put in a lot of nods and Easter eggs into your work. And I think I Disney do. fans would love them, like the inclusion of Marty. What are some of your favorite Disney gems you, you hide in there? Oh, gosh. I mean, I try to bake into these both 
things you know about and things you don't know about. And I hope that's rewarding for the reader. I mean, I don't put in things they won't allow me to put in. And one of the things they won't allow me to put in are the tricks that the Imagineers have played on me over the years. Because they are <laughs> playful people, these Imagineers. I went into Hollywood Studios one night at five in the morning or something to do my research with an Imagineer. And he said, I'm just going to take a minute and use the restroom. I'll meet you around it. I was going to One Man's Dream. He said, it's just around the corner, One Man's Dream. And I, I was tired. I wasn't thinking because they never let you out of their sight, right? So... <laughs> I should have, but I walked up, I turned a corner, and there was Maleficent, all six feet one of her, green face, the blue cape, and she went, Ridley, what are you doing in my park? Ugh. And I about had to change my underwear. I mean, I took <laughs> off running. It was a bad moment for me. And the guy was just standing there howling when I came back around the corner. I think I ran to Indiana that day. I mean, it was like, you know, I never stopped. So, wow. you know, whatever Easter eggs are in there are for the finding. And I try to <laughs> poke them away where no one will notice them for a year or two. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. Switching tracks. While I know you didn't write the play itself and you co-wrote the books, Peter and the Starcatcher was one of my favorite shows. Uh, what was it like to see your work adapted and then win multiple Tony Awards? Rick Ellis adapted Peter and the Starcatchers, written by Dave Barry and me, for the stage, thanks to Tom Schumacher, who runs Disney Theatrical. And... One of the great gifts that Tom allowed was for me to shadow the production. So for six years, I followed what they were doing and flew to meet them. Dave mm. wasn't as interested in that, but I had grown up outside of New York, as had Dave. And my parents had taken us into musicals all my life and plays. And I love the theater. So I told Tom this and he said, hey, you know, if you could keep your mouth shut, and if you want to just come see what we do, we would love to have you. And so for six years, I traveled around the country to whatever they were doing to develop this. And it was amazing. Mm. I'll just give you a two-second thing here. The very first performance was with Rick Ellis and me. I didn't even know who, that Rick was a writer at that point. There were about six of us, a couple of the people who would be directors, and Rick the writer, and Tom and me. And we were in a small bar in Williamstown, Massachusetts. Williamstown, Williams, Massachusetts, Massachusetts yeah. And Roger Reese, who was running the theater group there, oh. had gotten a bunch of college students together. And they had literally torn pages out of the book. <laughs> and they were putting on, you know, like Indian headdresses and reading our work to see if it could be dramatized. And then fast forward almost six years later, and we're at the La Jolla Playhouse in California, and night after night, they are performing the piece, and every night, Rick Ellis is rewriting it. Mm. And where you learn what actors really do for a living is when you see them get instructions at 9 a.m. that this scene has changed, forget what you know, relearn these movements, relearn these lines, drop that song, and that's how we're doing it tonight. And they do it perfect that night for 28 straight nights. Mm. Then you learn what it is to produce a play, and it blew my mind. Mm. Wow. Okay, well, 
Given the amount of time you've spent in Disney theme parks, including after hours and on Disney cruise ships, we're going to do a lightning round of Disney favorites. So first thing that comes to your head. Oh, my gosh. Favorite Disney parks attraction. Oh, <laughs> Peter Pan's flight. I love that. Ties into Peter and the Starcatcher. Yes. All right. Favorite Disney resort to stay at. Oh, without a doubt, the Grand Floridian. Nice. Favorite Disney park snack? Ooh, well, I'm not a huge snacker, but my kids love the waffles. Ooh. And yes. they're 25 and 24 now, and they still love the waffle. Uh, who doesn't love a waffle? The frosted waffle or whatever they're called. Yeah. Ooh. But in the books, it's the Dole Whip. Uh -huh. Ooh. Good choice. I'm a big fan there. Favorite Disney character to get a photo with? Wow, you guys are hard. <laughs> I will say this. I ran into Stitch when I was in Epcot, actually, one time. And Stitch can't speak. But Stitch said, he said, I read you. Oh. oh with and he gave me this big hug. And oh. somebody took a picture of it. And it was one of my favorite moments because it totally brought everything full circle that a character reads my books and I Aww. still think it's Stitch, not anybody in that outfit. I think it is. It is. Well, and, and, and for our listeners, uh, Ridley just mimed that he, Stitch did not actually say that. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, Three simple not. gestures <laughs> say a lot. Yes. <laughs> okay. Favorite Disney Parks restaurant? Oh, gosh. Maybe Napa Rose. Oh, Ooh. excellent choice. We talked about this before we started recording. So this may be a hard one. Favorite Disney cruise ship to sail on? That's an impossible one. I haven't been on the brand new ones, but I have been on the four others multiple times courtesy of Disney, and I've never had anything short of the most amazing cruise of my life. I would never travel with another cruise ship company. I've mm. spoken on a couple, and I've said, nope, that's it. Only Disney. I adore the cruise line. Mm. Same. You and Jeffrey both. <laughs> yeah. I want I hadn't been on Jeffrey in oh gosh, four or five years and I'm, <gasps> I'm just heartbroken. I think they've forgotten about me. I, I went no. on some of the big crossings, like I did one to Barcelona, is it? And I gave six nights of talks about being behind the scenes at Disney and I had so much fun. Oh, I want to go back. Ah, okay. Favorite Disney cruise ships net. And the only right answer is the chicken tenders. <laughs> I would have to disagree. It's all the free shrimp. <gasps> oh, oh, the peel and eat shrimp. They, they are yeah, people. You just can't beat all that free shrimp. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. right. Last but not least, favorite Disney memory. Wow. I think it will always be that first trip we took, and we had a guide, and the guide led us into something that's no longer there, which is Minnie and Mickey's house. Oh, yeah. And seeing our daughters run up to Minnie and get a hug from Minnie in that house will never leave me. They were just in a spell. Talk about magic. The love that those cast members give people who visit them, it meant the world to those kids. They've never forgotten it. I've never forgotten it. And it has to be one of my favorite. Oh, 
I love that. Ridley, we could talk to you. I could talk to you for hours. I think Sherry yes. agrees. Uh, oh thank God. you so much. Congratulations on the start of the next chapter of books. I mean, like, I guess I don't even know if you to call that because there's chapters in the books. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot wait to see what is next. And uh, maybe I'll see you on a Disney cruise ship. Oh, I sure hope so, Jeffrey. Thank you. I'll never ride Small World the same way ever again. (laughs) No, neither will I. I often don't ride it to this day. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I can't believe I didn't realize that Becky and Kevin were in the book. Like, that's just crazy. I know. What a small world after (laughs) all. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all-new episode of D23 Inside Inside Disney. Disney.